Hey there, what's going on? My name is Arthur Ettinger and welcome to another edition of Close to the Vest. Today is a super, super uh, episode. We are talking uh, financial planning with a very special guest, Aviva Pinto. Aviva, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So we have so much to unpack. You have, I, I know, a lot to talk about. I'm hoping um, that we can answer a lot of questions for people out there that are um, nervous and anxious. You know, there are a lot of uh, financial concerns going through a divorce, uh, as you well know. And hopefully uh, at the end of this podcast, people will feel maybe a little bit better uh, with all the information that you're going to impart. I hope so. So if you don't mind, you know, you are a certified divorce financial analyst. CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Perfect. I want you to explain to our audience, what does that mean? Okay, so there is an organization called the um, Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts, and they have a designation, which is the Certified Divorce Financial Analyst designation. So if you are a certified financial analyst or a certified financial planner, so you already know the finances of things, this organization has a designation where you study to understand how that can be applied to divorces. So for example, when somebody comes to you for a divorce, the first thing that they have to do is fill out their statement of net worth and show all of their assets, all of their liabilities, all of their income, all of their expenses, et cetera. And it's very daunting for people, especially those that are going through divorce and the only thing in their mind is, oh my God, my whole life is upended. Sure. So the last thing they want to do is sit down and put pen to paper and figure out their finances. A hundred percent. So what a CDFA does is we can sit down with them and we can go through their finances and we can pull that together so that they don't waste time and your time as an attorney that needs to deal with the legal aspects of it, they can come to us and we can deal with the financial aspects of it. And what we know is certain laws that apply across the board nationally when it comes to the finances of divorce. And then there are state-specific things, as you know, that we have to look into. So, for example, if you live in Connecticut... The age of majority is 18, meaning if you get divorced and your child turns 18, then that child is emancipated. Yep. Whereas in New York, if they're 21, then, the, the, uh, sorry, the, yeah. the, in New York, the you age is it. 21. And so when the child turns 21, that's when they're emancipated. So if you could prove that you have a place in New York that the child is living in, even though you also have a house in Connecticut, it would be better to file in New York because you'll get four more years of child support for that child. This is really invaluable, like background, like, so, so many times you have a situation where, you know, uh, a client is going to their other uh, team of advisors, but those individuals may or may not, you know, be as up-to-date or familiar with uh, the nuances uh, as a divorce approaches. Correct. So what a CDFA certification allows you to do is understand the divorce laws in addition to understanding the finances that go into 
somebody that's getting a divorce. I also have a designation of certified divorce specialist where you can understand how to communicate with your clients better that are going through divorce. Uh, I am the director of the National Association of Divorce Professionals on Long Island, and the national chapter has a designation called a CDS, which is a certified divorce specialist, where we go through a training to find out how to communicate with people. And it's really to try and understand how they will understand your information better. So if you and I sit down and I give you a sheet of numbers, and you're a picture person, It's better for me to draw a pie chart or a graph and show you visually what is going on financially than to throw numbers at you. And so if you can understand where the client's coming from and how they're thinking, you can be more effective in communicating to them. It's so helpful for the process, for the lawyer on, you know, their team, because we'll know you know, when you're working with them, that you are armed with the knowledge. And so, you know, it's so much easier uh, for us, uh, knowing that the client uh, will be able to look at you, not only look to us to get that information. Right. And we really work as a team, because the things that you find out, you can tell me, and I can find things out that I can tell you. So together, we can put them on the best financial footing going forward in their divorce. Sure. Before we dive in, can you just tell uh, the audience background, uh, where they can find you? Sure. So I am a managing director of Wealthspire Advisors, and we are a national firm with our headquarters in New York City. Since COVID, we have been all working remote. So I am currently in you Port Washington, Long Island, and uh, but I work with people across the country. And, you know, as I said, the majority of the divorce laws that have to do with the finances are national with just a few nuances that the matrimonial attorney and I can go over. Sure. Um, and so to reach me, I am at aviva, A-V-I-V-A dot Pinto, P-I-N-T-O, at Wealthspire, W-E-A-L-T-H-S-P-I-R-E dot com. Awesome. And um, I also know you have some some other interests, and we'll touch upon that very briefly, because um, I, I love it. Uh, I know you're very actively involved in your alma mater, Go Blue. Go Blue. Love those Michigan yeah. people, although we won't talk about the most recent football season. No, listen, it's, uh, <laughs> this year is a year that to chalk up to, uh, you know, 2020 is happen. going in hindsight. Exactly. Um, so there is a topic that I want to talk about. You know, there is such a misconception and a myth about when, you know, the wealth manager should get involved. And uh, and when we saw wealth manager, financial planner, one and the same, so people know. Um, so many times people say, okay, uh, I'm going to wait till the end. I'm going to figure out my, you know, m- the pile of cash that I get at the end, and then I'll, I'll make the phone calls and I'll get the referrals. And you mentioned early on in the process having to complete the net worth statement, and that's dead on. Um, and so just 
dispel the myth. Okay, so right out of the gate. So what I think the best time to speak with somebody is prior to filing for divorce, because that way you can get all of the statements, all of the information without having to get any court orders to get that information. So if you have a joint account, you're still getting joint statements. If you have a a safe deposit box, you still have a key to that safe deposit box. If you have a computer, you still have access to that computer. So you can get all of your statements, which will be very, very helpful to be able to put together a plan. The other thing is... And all those things, it's so often the case that at least one of them, if not all of them, magically disappear. disappear. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen it happen a lot of times, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure you see it all yep. the time. And the other thing is when you're filling out your statement of net worth, you're going to need things such as what insurance do you have and what mortgages do you have? What other debts do you have You know, on your credit cards and things like that? So if you can have all of that information ready before you file, you're in a much stronger position. So So I always say to people, pull everything together first. And the other thing is, when you sit down with a wealth manager and you're armed with that information, we can put together a plan so that they walk into your office and they know what to expect. Because a lot of people don't understand New York is an equitable state, which doesn't mean, like California, that you split everything Mm 50-50. You have to understand what belongs to you, what doesn't belong to you, what was acquired during the marriage, and what was existing prior to the marriage that you are not entitled to. So if we can put all, all that information together, by the time they go into your office, they're less disappointed when you say to them, that the settlement will be X, and they right. were expecting 2X. Sure. And I just just filling out that form, you know, no matter what level of income and, uh, you know, what your net worth is, you know, it runs the spectrum. It's all the same. People are very daunted by the, the document. It's super tedious. It is. It is... Uh, it, it, Essentially, it's a snapshot of their life. Exactly. And people don't want to face that. Right. So it basically asks you to put down every single thing that you own, your house, your cars, your insurance policies, the artwork you have on your walls, the jewelry that you acquired, anything that you may have inherited from your great-grandmother that has worth, your baby grand piano or the grandfather clock on the wall. All of those things have to be documented and they have to have a worth put next to it. The other thing they're asking for is your budget. People hate to put together their budgets because it makes them really look at how much they're actually spending. That's right. And you may know what you pay every month for your mortgage. You have maybe an idea of what you spend at the grocery store. But what about that $400 in cash you're taking out of the ATM? Where does that go? You know, it's like poof. Sometimes it's just disappearing. And so by putting everything down on paper in black and white, sometimes it's very shocking for people to see how much they're actually spending and then we have to go through the very difficult conversation of well 
one divided by two does not equal two. You are now going That's to right. be one household splitting up into two households. So a lot of your expenses are going to double. So the landscaper that was doing one house on is the same now, income on the same income will now That's have right. to do two houses. So it's very important to put together the budget so that you can figure out: Do you have to cut back? And if so, where? Can we cut back? Will you have to downsize? Do we need to sell the house? All of those things. So before they even walk into your office, if we're armed with that information, then they have a better idea of what the outcome of their divorce is going to look so like. So valuable. So, and so many people, they get the document. They don't, they oftentimes will not say a word when they get the document. And then there's two and three, half a dozen calls to say, hey, how are we doing? What do you say to the person, you know, that, because I know you deal with it all the time, just like I do, like that doesn't want to fill it out. And like there are a lot of people, they feel embarrassed that we're judging them, how they, they're in the dark. And what po- most people don't realize, we're not, we just want to get you, you know, the best result possible. Right. And okay. they can't file until they have that document completed. Right. Or they, uh, they, you have to walk into court with the document done. Um, and so what do you say to uh, the spouse who's basically been left in the dark on the finances um, to put them at ease and just to get them to to move forward in the process. So prior to COVID, I used to go over to their house and hold their hand and we would open the file cabinets or we would open their laptop or whatever it took to be able to pull the documents out and start writing it down. So you physically are there with them, helping them fill it out, okay? Now that we've had COVID and we're socially distancing, we're trying to do it over Zoom where I say, okay, send me this document, send me that document, and we will put their budget together for them. And then it'll be a conversation going back and forth. Okay, you told me that you're spending X amount on your kids' activities, but when you actually look through these credit card bills, it looks like we're actually spending this amount. So it's a back and forth where you can get the document to be really, really accurate. And you're signing, as you know, you're signing your name to this document to the court. And you're certifying that these are indeed my expenses. So we want to get it as accurate as possible. So going through the credit card bills and going through the checkbook and looking at where that cash from the ATM is going to is going to be super important when asking for marital support, when asking for child support, etc. And do you do you focus your um, practice on the non-moneyed spouse versus the moneyed spouse? So the generally, I get the non-moneyed spouse coming to me because they're the ones that are less adept at filling out the information. Right. And also, once they have their settlement, they're not going to know how to invest that going forward. Sure. And that's really where our specialty comes in. You know, we can pull together the budgets and do the financial plan, but really what they get in their settlement, a lot of times that's all they're going to have for the rest of their life. Right. And so it's very important that they invest it correctly so that they can live on this money 
for the rest of their lives. And as you know, a lot of people are coming in very young Mm -hmm. and women are living to be 93 years old and men are living to be 91 years old. So if you're like, say, 50 and you're getting divorced, you have another 40 plus years that this money is going to have to last you. So you're going to have to budget correctly and you're going to have to invest correctly for the future. And what... I, that's a tough conversation for somebody to have. Absolutely. They don't want to hear the reality, you know, and a lot of people want to, well, when they get divorced, I want to go have that monster vacation. <laughs> I want to go buy this piece of jewelry for myself. And so then you have the fun job yes. of saying, uh, yeah, you know, that all sounds well and good, but. Um, let's do a staycation and let's get yeah. some fake jewelry. <laughs> So how do you deal, how do you manage that? It's again, managing expectations. I say this time and time again, how do you, how do you have that tough conversation? So the best thing to do is if you show them on paper, what it looks like. And if you show them that, Hey, you know, X number of millions sounds like a lot of money, but you now have to pay for all of these things that Mm. you were not paying for in the past. You have to think about your kid's college education. You have to think about future weddings or bar and bat mitzvahs or communions or whatever kind of party that you're going to throw for the child. You're going to have to think about where you're going to live and how you're going to live and inflation and taxes. And people don't always take that into consideration. You know, it sounds like a lot of money. And then, well, if, inflation is running at two and a half percent a year, then 10 years from now, that money's not going to be buying what it's buying today. And then healthcare, people have to realize that healthcare is going up exponentially. And as people are getting older and living longer, they need more and more of it. And so we have to budget for healthcare in there. And then long-term care, you know, as people are living longer, you know, you have to put that into the budget as well. So what we try and do is look at all eventualities, put it down on paper and say, you may not want that vacation or that big piece of jewelry right away. Let's think more in terms of what it's going to be for the future. Right. Or maybe, I know you're used to staying at the Four Seasons. Maybe we're going to stay at the Hyatt now. (laughs) (laughs) the sad thing is these are real conversations they are luckily with covid we haven't had to deal with that that's true they've been staying in their own home but going forward we really have to think in terms of how do we cut back and you know maybe 12 pairs of shoes a year is not realistic maybe we have to cut it back to six pairs of shoes a year and you know maybe take care of them a little bit better as an example how many i can't tell you how many times i've heard i don't know how i'm gonna live on twenty five thousand dollars a month you know tax-free <laughs> and you tell that to a judge who's making $150,000 and hasn't had a raise in a decade you know um, but it's all relative it's what they're used to and right. what they've known and you know I hear all the time it's not fair right you know so-and-so is going off he's going to keep earning money or she's going to keep earning money right. and I'm not and I turned around and say well why not Go back to work That's or, right. you know, or get get a fun job that you enjoy doing sure. and bring in some money yourself and then you can do the same things. That's right. And also, I'm sure you help. Um, there are a lot of people who and some people may think this is absurd, but this is a reality um, that they've never written a check before. That's you very know? true. I, I've had clients that have never been 
to withdraw money from an ATM, don't know how to use the card, or don't know how to take a picture. I mean, these days, everybody's depositing checks remotely, you know, have never done that before, or have never looked at their statements from their investment accounts online. Everything has come in the mail on paper. So there's a learning curve there. And there's, you know, there are people that may be listening and they may say, you know what, that is me. And, what you know, we're not judging them. In fact, to the opposite, the, the way technology is set up now, thank God, you know, they're going through the process now as opposed to, let's say, a decade ago, where to your point, you can set up automatic bill pay and you can through your office, help not only manage their money, but set up the process so they don't have to worry about uh, sending out the checks. Very, very good point. So we have clients where basically they'll tell us every month, we want the mortgage paid, I need the, the car payment done, all of that stuff. And it's very easy to do. And then other clients say, this is my budget every month. I want you to manage the money. But every month I want X amount being transferred into my checking account because I am adept at being able to do the bill pay online. Sure. So we can handle each of it and we can teach clients how to do all of those things. You know, you don't have to know it ahead of time because not not everybody has done it before. And to your point, you know, when we deal with the non-moneyed spouse, it's because the other person, they delegated the responsibility. It's not that they are stupid. It's because they delegated that responsibility to the other person. So I have clients who are doctors, who are lawyers, you know, et cetera, who have never managed the finances. And they're amazing at their fields. They just have to learn this new skill. Sure. Um, And so you've touched upon, you know, some advice. um, And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of it we've already, you know, hit upon. Um, Is the, are there any, uh, common mistakes that you uh, that you see that the listener can avoid? Well, there are a number of mistakes that people make um, when they're looking to get divorced. And the first one, I think, is just not being organized. And like we said, you know, being able to pull everything together and fill out that statement of net worth so is amazing. So being able to Get a hold of all those documents, number one, I would say, is is very key. Second thing is I have seen people that have not retitled their assets. And so, for example, when you get divorced, you are going from joint accounts to single accounts. So you want everything in your name. Sure. Your insurance policy always has a beneficiary on it. You don't want that to be your ex-spouse. You would prefer that to be your children or somebody close to you that you want to get that that money. And the same thing with retirement plans and pension plans. You always have to put down your beneficiary for an IRA or a 401k or a 403b or your pension plan with your work. And those beneficiaries have to be changed so that inadvertently, if something happens to you, it doesn't end up going to your ex-spouse. And so, and that kind of leads me to my next question. Um, Divorce, your relationship with this client, 
It doesn't end in divorce, correct? Absolutely not. Divorce is really where my relationship with the client starts. So I am getting the client referred to me either by a divorce therapist or a former client, um, generally before they're seeing you. Right. And then sometimes I will get a matrimonial attorney once they have a client who's having trouble filling out their statement of net worth that will send them to me. I rarely get a referral when everything is all said and done and somebody has their settlement and then they don't know what to do with it. Because leading up to that process, all the professionals involved start seeing where they need somebody like a wealth manager to work with them. And so it's best to go and work with them prior to or during the process. And then at the end, when they're finished with those other professionals and then they're moving on, that's when I can help with investing the assets and stay involved in their lifetime. Yeah. Because, you know, you need you need to keep on top of your finances going forward. I mean, you've had guests on this program talking about remarriage and getting involved with other new people in their lives and their lives move on. So what happens is their plans are going to need to change completely because now they're going from a single household again to a joint household. They're going to have more income and their plans are going to change. Their risk tolerance will change. Their liquidity needs will change. Their cash flow, et cetera. And so the plans that we do for them are evolving. They're not set in stone. They're fluid and we have to keep updating them. And as life changes for them, we need to make changes to their portfolio to keep up with them. So true. And that's true of like whether you're married or not. Exactly. And so there, I'm sure there are people out there who are saying, oh, this sounds all great. Aviva sounds great. But how to, why would I hire her when I don't know? I don't have the money to uh, pay for this now or I don't know. So I, I want you to educate that person out there who says, I need a, uh, you know, a CDFA. Um, but what is it going to cost me? early on in the divorce process. Okay, so there are two ways that CDFAs work. One way is as a financial planner where they charge you usually a set fee or hourly in order to help you come up with your financial plan. The way our firm works is we do all of that work up front and it's included in what we get afterwards. So when you come to me with your settlement and we start investing that money, we charge for assets under management Mm -hmm. and we get a fee for the assets that we manage for you. That fee includes everything I've done for you up until that point. So even if you don't have anything right now, but you're expecting a settlement going forward, you can call, we can work on it and then you become a client of mine at the end, and then we manage your money for you. Right. So in case you uh, just tuned in or <laughs> did not understand that, what Aviva means is for the, let's say, year and a half of the shit show litigation, <laughs> she's free. <laughs> that is invaluable, and people don't yes. realize that. Yes. And so, you know, what people say to me is, you know, you're spending all this time. What if the person doesn't come and become your client at the end? And I have two answers for that. 
One is the majority, 99.999% of people, once I have worked with them, been through everything that they're going through, they've opened the kimono and I know all the details, not only about their financial life, but everything else that's going on in the divorce. The chances of them going on to somebody else are slim to none. So true. And the second thing is, is if they come to the very end and they don't have enough you know, assets to manage. We have programs where we can give them to somebody where they can go, go and buy some mutual funds, et cetera, and they're going to recommend me to somebody else. Right. And what goes around comes around, and I'm really happy to help people because this is just, divorce is just a very difficult thing for people to be going through. Yeah, uh, listen, I love that. And I, you know, like, well, you know, lawyers are always tasked with making uh you know, introductions, whether it's a real estate lawyer, if there's a sale of the home, or they're going to buy a, ho- a new home, or a, a trust and estates lawyer, or a financial planner. And it's all about comfort. Right. You know, um, you're not showing their resume, your resume, you're connecting with another individual. Exactly. And if you're in the trenches with them in the worst time in their life, they're going to trust you. Exactly. You know, and and it, and it takes time. You know, you work with them over time and they get to the point where they know that you're there looking out for their best interests. Sure. Um, so, you know, there is a there is a I think a common misconception about the divorce process being this ugly thing. There's sadness and there's no doubt there's sadness. But at the end that. Oh, my God, you know, and a lot of this comes out of fear. But I think there can, a lot of good can come out of divorce, both emotionally but also financially. Yes, you pointed out that the income, the same income is now, may very well have to cover two homes. But I think with your help, people can, you know, they can not only survive, but they can, uh, you know, I know you've written about this, thrive. thrive. Well, what I love to do is empower people. Um, financial literacy is something that is not taught, and a lot of people don't have it. And it's so exciting when somebody can get their hands around their finances and feel empowered to be able to continue on on their own and be able to pay their bills and go to an ATM sure. and you know take a picture of their check on their phone and watch it get deposited and things like that and you know for for young listeners this may be like you know second second hand it's like oh we could do that no problem right. at all but for a lot of people who have never done it before the empowerment and the excitement of being able to be financially on their own is amazing to watch. And I think if you're involved early on and have someone in your camp like yourself, that they will not feel as anxious, they will not feel as scared, and they can start that planning to know that, okay, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm actually going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay. And this is all going to be a good step. Right. I mean, it you know, it takes a long time to get there. Um, right. But for most people, once they see that they can move on and they can live within their means and their finances are taken care of, it, it's, it lets them sleep at night. Sure. So 
let me, why'd you get into this? Why, of all, you know, people say, why'd you want to be a matrimonial lawyer? And that's probably uh, a 10-hour podcast <laughs> and a couple of therapy sessions, which I'll spare you. So why you? Why'd you do, why did you go in focusing on, you know, the divorce aspect of financial planning? So it's funny. A lot of people, the first question they ask me is, did you go through your own divorce? Right. And the answer is no. I've been married almost 30 years to the same person. Awesome. And, um, you know, the funny thing is I do the finances in our marriage. Uh, but I, I do. Hope so. But I do you know, bring him into it because, you know, if I'm hit by a truck tomorrow, he has to know where everything is. Right. And I think it's very important also when you have children to be able to, you know, impart a lot of the information to them as far as, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing, et cetera. But the way I got in, involved in it is actually a matrimonial attorney that I did a lot of work with called me up one day and told me about the um, designation to be a certified divorce financial analyst, and I looked into it, and I had been helping divorce people, but I did not understand how much more I could do to help them with the statement of net worth, et cetera. I had gotten divorced people that already had their settlement, and then I was just helping them do their financial plan and uh, manage their money. But once I started doing the training to become a certified divorce financial analyst, I saw all of the opportunity, how I could help prior to them getting divorced. And then I I found the um, National Association of Divorce Professionals and was brought into that group. And as I said, I'm the director of the Long Island group now. And it really takes a village, if you will. Um, You know, you you mentioned the people who have to sell the houses and the people that have to do the closing, etc. So our group has a lot of people, matrimonial attorneys, and um, everybody that it takes to help somebody going through a divorce. You know, people who can clean out their houses for them and, uh, you know, cart the junk away and things like that. So for me, um, I found that helping people get financial literacy is very, very exciting. And I feel good when somebody else is doing it well. And so this is one way that I can, in a way, give back while still doing what I do best. Great. When you said cart the junk away, you weren't referring to their spouse, right? (laughs) It's how people lose 250 pounds overnight, right? I get a lot of, I get a lot of requests to cart the junk away, but in a different way. Um, so, and so you mentioned you've been married for 30 years. Um, I was five when I started. (laughs) And what is, what's your secret? What's my secret to a happy marriage? Um, I think it's communication. I think that if you communicate with the other person, everybody knows what's going on. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm just talking about anything that's happening in the household. And you trust one another. Trust is so, so important in any relationship, whether it be with a spouse or be with friends or Mm -hmm. anything else like that. If you trust people. Also, humor goes a long, long way. And I always tell everybody that that I married my husband because he makes me laugh. I love it. And, you know, if you can have a good laugh every day, either at your own expense or, you know, just what's going on in life and how absurd everything is, especially in these days of COVID, um, it's great to be able to just laugh and, you know, not take life as seriously. So I would say that, you know, communication, trust, and having a good laugh are things that make the relationships last. 
Um, I, I firm believer in that. Um, Sometimes it, a good glass of wine, too. I hear that. <laughs> or tequila. Um, so do you have like a craziest story in the context of like financial planning and divorce? The craziest story. I think, you know, what I find, and you probably have found this too, is that what people put down on paper to begin with are not always true. So when you see a statement of net worth, before you even take it anywhere near the courts, and you see that somebody puts down that from their tax return, they're making $200,000 a year, and then you actually see what the credit card bills are, and you see their lifestyle, Mm -hmm. and they're going off on these fancy cruises, and they're flying in private planes, et cetera. $200,000 of income is never going to you know, be able to cover that kind of a lifestyle. And then things disappear, as you and I had mentioned in the past. You know, there's those very expensive pieces of art that all of a sudden there's a blank wall. And, oh, I don't own any of that art. Or there's half a million dollars worth. There's a half a million dollars worth of wine Mm. down in the wine cellar. And all of a sudden there's two bottles of Boone's Farm. And so those are the things that, you know, it's it's sad, but you have to it's laugh true. because, you know. It just or when they're filling out the budget, what number do you want me to put down for <laughs> right. food allowance? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, my favorite story of all, this was, I was like a newbie lawyer and I was the young associate filling out the net worth statement for this uh, very well-to-do, uh, you know, uh, individual getting divorced. And we're ha- now we're going through, she, ha- she came back in, she's going through the budget. And I'm asking, how did you arrive at the figure, you know? And now we get to this, the part for like the cosmetics. And there was like a drugstore or a cosmetic bill, uh, like line item. And she had $3,500. A month. S- a month. And so I said, how did you arrive at that figure? And literally not missing a beat, says, got to keep the trophy polished. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. And, you know, listen, those people, like a lot of them are legitimate and the numbers are supported. But to your point, if you are trying to trump it up or push it down, depending on what side you are on for some support award, somebody's going to figure it out. Right. Maybe not in the beginning, early on, but the judge is going to figure it out with the help of the other side. And the documents, numbers don't lie. Exactly. And being truthful is going to get you there in the long run the right. best way possible. I, as a, I remember as a young lawyer, I sat in a seminar with a bunch of different judges. And they were talking about what to ask. And one judge says, ask for what you need. You know, and that's resonated. And some, what each person needs is certainly different. And what a judge thinks you need is certainly different. It doesn't mean you're not entitled to it just because you lived a different lifestyle than somebody else. Mm-hmm. But if the numbers don't jibe, then, you know, it's a, the house is going to fall at some point. Exactly. The other thing is that some people get hung up on 
simple possessions that can derail an entire divorce. I was involved with a divorce that went on for five years, Mm -hmm. and it was all about a baby grand piano that had been played in Carnegie Hall by this person's father. And the husband knew that this was a very important possession. And after about three or four years of this, I said, I want you to meet me on the corner of 43rd and 6th Avenue. Carnegie Hall. No, that's where the Steinway store is. And I made her go in and sit down and play every single piano in the store. And at the end, I said, do these sound better than the one that you have in your house? I love it. And she said, they sound much better. I said, then why are we hanging on to the old one? I said, send it to his apartment. It's never going to fit. He doesn't want that piano. You order anyone here in the store and let's get this divorce over with because you're spending a half a million dollars a year on attorneys. And sure enough, that day, she had the piano sent to him, and he refused delivery. Really? It's <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. It was something that, you know, but people fight over little dogs. Yeah, they, uh, fight, they, you know, who's going to get custody of the animals? It's just sad. And I know you've had people on the show before saying that it's all about the kids and make sure that, right. you know, you're doing the right thing by kids. But when you're looking at the gray divorce those over 50 sometimes it's stupid things that they're arguing over there are no kids involved yeah i've said that several times i'll tell a client take seventy five hundred dollars off the bill we don't need to fight over the rug that has all the the cat or dog poop or piss you know move on and go get another rug it's just not worth the aggravation so listen, I really appreciate you being here. This was super helpful. This was so much fun. It's amazing. Uh, my last question, um, I'm a huge sneaker fan. A uh, sneaker fan? Yes. Okay. I don't know if this speaks to you. That's certainly okay. What's your favorite pair of sneakers? So when I first started um, in high school, I had a boyfriend whose sister worked for New Balance. Awesome. And it was right when New Balance had just come out. And we were in Chicago and we went to the store and we got a discount because she worked there. Sure. And so I have always been a New Balance fan. My mom would love you. That's <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank You'll you. have to come back. I will definitely come back. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.